Hello, uh, welcome to our first edition of our podcast uh, named uh, Pending. I am Jay. I'm here with my brother and my cousin. So basically, my, my brother. I'm here with both my brothers, Ayush and Suyash. You guys can say hi. What's up, gay? Hello. Uh, this is just something super casual. We're just, we're just like trying to keep it as as like genuine as possible. Just keep it like interactions that we all three talk. We love we love we all three love talking sports, and that's why I keep it that way. Uh, so today was another round of game ones from the NBA playoffs, and I watched the I watched a large bit of the Hawks Heat uh, game. I watched a, I watched the entire Nets Celtics game. I'm a big Celtics fan here, and then I was watching a little bit of the Bulls Bucks game. And one thing I want to point out, <laughs> starting off of the of the Bulls Bucks game, is that I do you guys know who uh, Patrick Williams is? Patrick Williams. He, basically, he was the fourth overall pick last year in the. Uh, in the NBA draft. He got drafted to the Chicago Bulls, right? And uh, so this guy, so he had, he had a great rookie year. He looked great. Like, he's going to be a good, solid NBA player. This year, the, the Bulls were looking nice in the beginning of the year. He got hurt, like, the first game of the year, and he's only been back in five games. I tuned in to the Bulls-Bucks game, and I just see him having to guard Giannis. And I just can't imagine, after being gone the whole year, your first assignment is guarding Giannis in the playoff series. Like, that's just, like, ridiculous to ask of someone, I think. Um, that when someone's, like, that size and, and athleticism. Like, I just I thought that was really funny. That's true. I was going to say, I watched the ending of the Nets-Celtics, and that shit was crazy. I mean, I, I can't even imagine not having to call timeout. That was just let the players play, and I can't believe that they came through. I was definitely surprised. I was definitely surprised because I thought that was I, – I mean, I thought the, the Celtics might have blown a lead, like, in the in the third. They had a, mm-hmm. I think they had a soft lead, but then they came back and then they held through. But that defense – ooh, that defense is sick, man. That defense is tough. For the Celtics, I think I saw this – I saw this stat uh, where it was – if you remove the first month of the season, the Celtics defense after that has been the best season, like, uh, defensively of, of all time. Like, I saw the stat. I also but saw – yeah, I also saw like Kyrie get Kyrie rough up uh, Jalen Brown at the end with the with the bloody nose. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I that play, I thought I thought it was, it was bang, well. bang. I thought it was bang, bang. Like, uh, let me see what else I think. Uh, I think Kyrie is so underappreciated. I think he gets so much. Hate. I mean, like rightfully so. He lies to the like Celtics fan base. I mean, as Celtics fan, I, I understand why the fans hate him. But I just think he's so underappreciated in general. Like this man, you know how hard it is to only play the away games to, and just to be in basketball shape when he comes back, just to dominate. He's so efficient. He's so electric on the court. I just think, I just think he's very underappreciated as a star. Uh, and okay, let me just wrap up my some thoughts on the on the games from this weekend so far. The game ones, and then we can trade this into football because I know that's where I should say can offer more insight. Uh, I thought Tatum looked really tired at the end of the third quarter, that fan the fourth quarter. I think he's playing with very heavy minutes. Something this is like, I don't know, it's not new to him. Obviously, he's been in the playoffs before, but I just think that he looked really tired and it wasn't really looking to attack or be aggressive when he had smaller switches onto him. Uh, the Nets, they they're playing with Seth Curry, Patty Mills, and Kyrie Irving at times, where where they're three guys who are six three or shorter, and the Celtics are playing with like two centers, like with Al Horford and Daniel Tice. So I just think that size is just. It's a very like someone has to adjust. Like next game, I don't think we're gonna see this again. Either the Nets are gonna play big or the Celtics are gonna play smaller. And I mean the Celtics, I think they played really well today. I just think Kyrie was ridiculous, which is why the Nets were in the game in the first place. So I really think that maybe we'll see some like Marcus Aldridge minutes next game or Blake Griffin or 
I think the Nets are gonna play a bit bigger. Uh, the Hawks, the Hawks he, out this game. Uh, I mean, he's hurt, quote unquote, mental, uh, mental health stuff. Uh, he's he's been talking on social media that he's gonna come back for game four, but he's been talking a lot. He talks every <laughs> offseason about his jump shot improvement. <laughs> I swear, it's every offseason I see videos of best of his drill threes in practice. <laughs> but then, but then the season comes, he just doesn't shoot him. I don't know. I also think he's overhated, but. Uh, the Hawks heat, my thoughts were uh, the heat defense is real. Uh, I think the Hawks dropped like 130 points on the Hornets in the playing game, and they scored like, well, like 87 points today. I just think that's a, I just think that's a pretty crazy like disparity in points scored. Of course. Uh, all right. I think that's it for the games today. My thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could transition to some football. Yeah, let's do it. Because I know, you know, in the NFL world right now, it's draft season and everyone and their moms think that they can predict the NFL draft order. And I just want to say that I I think that the draft is super important. And I think that you build teams through the draft. But what we saw last offseason with the Rams and how they put together that team with Les Snead not giving a flying F about a single draft pick is becoming the new norm. It's just been crazy to see so many draft picks get thrown around. And honestly, I don't think draft picks hold the same value that they used to especially this year and just so much uncertainty with the players coming out, the lack of depth at the quarterback position, the overall general um, you know, weakness of this class. I don't want to say it's just this class. I think I, I think back to like 2013, I think of that class that had like EJ Manuel as a first draft quarterback that came out. And that was right after the, the Luck, um, Wilson, RG3 draft that also had Kirk Cousins. So that was a legendary quarterback draft. Don't forget, like, Ryan Tannehill was in that draft. Oh, Ryan Tannehill was in that. And then Brandon Whedon, I thought, was also in that draft. Yeah, I think all of those guys were also in there. And I feel like we always get – it always happens this way. Like, didn't last year feel like we had, like, six generational quarterbacks come in the league? Yeah. And and then this year, I mean, not even anyone wants to step over these QBs and say that, you know, they're going to ball out the NFL. But isn't that just crazy to you, seriously? Like, some years you get, like, seven, eight, you know, people who who end up – starting games in the nfl whereas like you know some games some years they're just all you know backups i also think that yeah like, other years you get like those 2013 draft yeah. classes where I, you're, I just don't, I just don't get the best pick yeah. that happens maybe maybe there's like one or two people from like that round that are actually like still starters and solid that's starters. what i'm saying and then like eric fisher went number one that year so we all know how much of a a, a great pick i mean he ended Isn't up becoming a free a agent though I mean, uh, he, he he was he played for the Colts for a little bit, and he ended up becoming a Pro Bowler at the end of at, towards the end of his career. But if you think about it, like just in general, I, I I think that like even last year we had such high expectations for these quarterbacks, and I know it's just year one, but did we really see you know any of them get a fair shot? I I just think that you put Trevor Lawrence in that situation. I mean, we we don't even got to talk about Jacksonville because we know. I mean, I mean, like like the whole situation is it's yeah. horrible. Like Urban Meyer and everything. Yeah. Like I don't understand, I don't know how you expect someone to succeed, but I just think Trevor Lawrence has such such raw talent that I just think he needs some some sort of just good just like a supporting cast. I don't think paying Christian Kirk that that type of money is <laughs> bringing a supporting cast. I mean, uh, I mean, problem with the Jags is like the GM, right? Like everybody doesn't want to play for that gym or coach with him like that that's the reason why a lot of the coaching but, candidates but, turned them down but if you think about Trent Balky and and he was the GM in, in San Fran when they built those god squads I mean he built 
Navarro, Bowman, Patrick Wills, Alden Smith, Alex Smith, Vernon Davis, like he built that roster. And, and I think about how many stars of stars of stars were on those rosters. Frank Gore was a mainstay on that team. He always, you know, didn't have a problem with getting guys with character concerns, which I think sure. is hurting you because Alden Smith, you know, we know what he ended up becoming later in his career, but it's undeniable. Trent Balky's ability to identify talent is it, it, just something that's out of this world. That the the Niners as a franchise, and the honestly to some extent the Ravens have um, you know strong strong rosters, and it's because of depth. I, I think of how many of their players can be three down guys, how many of their players can play multiple positions. And I think of the San Francisco 49ers. What John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have built up there is it's just incredible. With as many injuries as they have every year, but as much turnover in roster, and I and again this is the Ravens where they come in. With as many new guys coming in every single week, right? I mean, they're still putting up winning records, but you look at like the bottom feeders of the NFL, you know, they still can't do anything. Even let's just say when all their guys have been game planned and been healthy. I mean, like a Zach Wilson, I know it's not as dysfunctional as Jacksonville, but what is the excuse there, right? Will we ever see Trey Lance take a snap in the NFL while Jimmy Garoppolo's still on that team? I think I heard some rumors that were, that were going on saying that Trey Lance is going to start next year. Even even if if Grapple's on that team, and I I wholeheartedly believe that I don't I think the Niners are done with Jimmy G. I think with this whole Debo situation too going on, him receiving <laughs> receiving twenty five million a year, him, him receiving death threats and racial slurs in his in his DMs, that's that's crazy. That's that's ludicrous to me. These these are the same people who were just cheering for him and who just who he just carried he absolutely carried that team. Carry. carry that team so i just think that i just think that like that niners culture i mean it's nice i mean that, that team is, that team is not built around a single superstar like i mean yeah we think debo samuel right debo was second round draft pick he fell off a little bit right and he's still playing on his rookie deal granted he's gonna get broken off pretty soon here you know with this massive contract but elijah mitchell another six round gem that they just happened to find these guys know what they're doing and and I just wish that, you know, teams who are picking first, second, third every year, you think it's obvious, right? Get to do with the most potential, who jumps out the gym, checks off all the boxes, right? But I think it's the the guys I, who 28, 29, 30 every year might do a better job because they have to. I, yeah. I'd, have to I'd have to disagree with you there, Ayush. I'm going to say that I think the NFL is a lot less potential-based. I think it's a lot more fit-based when you draft. I mean, I guess I'm yeah. more of a casual I guess I'm more of a casual when it, when it comes to the, to the NFL draft than you are. So correct me if you think I'm wrong. But what I would say is that I think that in the NFL, it is a lot of fit. What fits in your scheme? What fits in your system? Especially on the defensive end. Like, for example, if you're running a 3-4, your backers need to be really athletic. Especially your outside backers, they have to be really athletic and be able to rush and be able to tackle and cover. So when you're, so when you're drafting in that sense – that you need to have, be able to draft an athletic guy, even if he's not as like strong with, with, with his fundamentals. That's where you can go like athletic base. But if you're, if you're drafting like someone in your D line system and you need someone like, like a big D tackle like, like a Jordan Davis who can fill both a gaps, you need someone for that. I and mean, that's I think, that's a lot more talent based. I I think I think it's more fit dependent in the NFL. I definitely think that you know once you find holes that you need to fill, or you think guys will fit certain roles, and you know. There's definitely that element, right? But it, it's a it's a pure combination. The draft, no one can predict how it's gonna go down. Because let's just say you know there's a guy you really want to you know go up and get 
Um, you do anything to get that guy because either he's a scheme player or you, should, or you just think he's an athletic freak. You're going to do whatever you can to get that guy. But when you're picking first, second, third, fourth every year, right? I mean, you got to value everything, right? Best player available, position of need, scheme fit. It all comes together. And I think that's the whole part of the story. I look at Kayvon Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker, you know, some of these big you know, DNs, Aiden Hutchinson, of course, Aiden Hutchinson. The thing that really strikes me is that the NFL has become so much of a can you play in space game as opposed to can you get big and stop the run or can you fill the gapper? You know, can you do multiple things? If you think about it, every, you know, all those guys on Washington's D line, right? Those guys can all run, you know, four, five, four, six. They'll get to the, you know, hole really quickly. I look at K1 Thibodeau, I see a big run stuffing, you know, defensive. He honestly almost reminds me of Jadavion Clowney in the way he plays because getting sacks is the name of the game. You think about Buffalo Bills against Patrick Mahomes with 13 seconds left. They kind of gone to him, gone home. That game would have been over, right? So just think about it. in the NFL, there's a shift from, you know, stopping run, getting big guys, you know, plugging holes to can you get quicker, faster, athletic, more off the edge. And, you know, these guys, they won't be required to stop the run on first and second down. Maybe you rotate in the guys who are responsible for that. But I don't know. Trayvon Walker, his, his physical abilities, just, just I, I just think you can't pass on that. And if I and I think if, if you're the Detroit Lions and he's there at number two, if he, 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 there's nowhere else to go, I, I really think he's going to be the second overall pick. But I find crazy for this year uh, is just that people are saying it's not a deep draft or it's not a high quality draft or this draft sucks. I think they're looking at just the quarterback position because I think this draft is incredibly deep. I think they have. I think on the defensive end and on the wide receiver end, there's so many high quality receivers, and and. Personally, I would love us to take a Crystal Lave or uh, and us as Ravens for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Us for me is is the Ravens. I would love a Crystal Lave here or Jordan Pickens or sorry, George Pickens. Anyone at all? George. Pickens. I was like anyone. I didn't see that. I, I mean, I think Pickens isn't he big? Isn't he like six three, six four? I don't. Know. I haven't heard any Pickens coming out. I mean, I I hear. Jahan Dotson, I hear Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. You know, you got obviously your big, your big, big stars. I mean, can't forget about any of those guys who come out. We think of the OSU receivers, but there's obviously going to be, you know, more, 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 you know, when you keep going down the, down the list. But I think the defense is kind of what's going to highlight, you know, some of the top five, top five picks, because you're going to see edge rush come off the board. I, I, I know I really want to say, that, that the you know the Saints jumping in front of the Chargers for that trade that they did a couple of weeks ago was to get an offensive tackle. I think you get some good you know offensive tackle. You know it's a very good O line D line draft. You got Evan Neal, Ikemukwanu, um, Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker. You know um, Charles Cross. These are all guys who are going to go top five, top ten, um, just solely based on the depth of, of, of that class. And, and and I don't think that you pick for any of those teams that are picking five. No, they imagine if you're a really bad football team year in, year out, I would be willing to bet that your lines are not very good. It all starts up front. I mean, it, I mean, it would, it, 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 we all know how important it is to build through the draft. And, and every team has their own philosophy, but, you know, you, you got to approach it and, and figure out the teams that draft well are the teams that do everything well, sign quality free agents, you know, treat their players correctly, have good organizations. And honestly, if you're a player, you just want to go to a good scheme fit and a good, you know, you don't want to go to a dumpster, dumpster fire situation. Unfortunately, you know, those are the guys who go pick, you know, one through five. So 
I mean, Texans picking always top five every year, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, it definitely goes back to the point, like when you have like these different top five teams, it's usually like one of the common weaknesses you see is that neither the offensive line nor the defensive line is strong at all. Like either they can't protect the quarterback or they can't get to the quarterback. And when you can't do either, you can't win anything. Right. Because then you just give like QBs enough time. And when any QB has time, they can do anything. Right. Right. And that's like, when you're thinking about from the offensive, when you think about the defensive standpoint of having a weak D line, right. Because you can also have like a, really strong D-line and your secondary might not be the greatest, but if you get pressure on the QB, then that can make up for the secondary. You can't have it the other way around where you have like a super strong secondary, but you can't get to the QB and suddenly the play breaks down and then the corners and safeties can't keep up. Exactly. So, you can't you can't guard these guys forever. These guys are going to get yeah. up. These guys, these guys are athletic enough. Quarterbacks are good enough. These guys are in the NFL. I mean, they're in the NFL for a reason, right? These guys are you guys are the most like they they are the most athletic players in the world, right? You guys you guys are gonna get open. The quarterbacks are gonna find them. So, I I think having a D line is essential because on the first down you have to be able to stuff the run. You have to be able to limit them to under less than three yards of carry on first down at least. And then on third downs you can't give these quarterbacks like so much time. I mean I mean we all, we all know about that one play at the end of the Super Bowl on fourth down where. Jamar Chase beat Jalen Ramsey. If Joe Burrow had that extra half a second, he could have hit him, right? So I, it's just, I think something something you'll see in common is of like a lot of the best teams in the NFL was that their, their D-line knows how to get after it. Yeah, and, and I honestly think like a lot of the teams take on the identities of their head coaches. And I know Sirish doesn't like me for this or for saying this, but I really love Arthur, you know, um, what's his name? Mike Rabel. Mike, Mike Rabel as, as just a head yeah. coach, right? Because when I he knows think how about, to coach, yeah, that's the first thing. Of, when I think of a player and I think of a team, you could have a bunch of dudes, and you know they could be good or bad. It doesn't matter, right? But if they really take on the identity of their head coach, I can only imagine, you know, how how good of a of a, of a team you can build with a strong, you know, man at the helm. It just it's just uh, you know uh, uh, profounds me how some teams, you know, go with the quieter, more reserved, kind of more cerebral coaches. Like I don't know if like Mike Todd getting, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like the top. I mean, he's, he's I mean, all right. I, I mean, Todd Bowles was the coach, anyways, really, if you think about it. He's already there. Yeah, top. <laughs> yeah I mean, but I you mean, think back to like his Jets era, right? Like, but I just love, I just love how sometimes GMs and coaches together can turn around teams like the Buffalo Bills. Like, we, I mean, can we just appreciate what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have done up there? Like, that's ridiculous. From, from people were dogging them for taking Josh Allen. They kept with it. They kept with the course, and then look what he turned to now. I would not have – no one would have believed Josh Allen was Josh Allen when he came out. They gave him – he had no chance, you know, growing pains, players around him, but the, everything that they've done, from drafting the right guys to signing the right free agents, it's just been a tremendous turnaround. I mean, they got like a new – Stefan Diggs. I mean – Stefan Diggs was such a good signing. You just – they don't, they don't it swing in. It was a trade. The, yeah, it was a trade, but it was a really good acquisition. But the, the Buffalo Bills miss. That's my thing. The Buff, they don't miss. They don't draft bust, sign bad players. They only take guys who are good for their culture. And I think that the Buffalo Bills are like again one of those teams like the Baltimore Ravens that have had this, who are going to have the same head coach, the same GM for the next twenty years. Because and then they've only had like three coaches in like their entire franchise type history, like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like it's just some team in the NFL who go through like one coach a year, and some teams have the same coach for like twenty five years. And, and you tell me, you know, which is the better coach, better, you know, team in general. So it's going to be fun. 
I mean, we did see a similar thing, right, when Sean Payton was actually the head yeah. coach of the Saints, right? You saw, like, how him and then, like, the GM were actually, like, able to piece together, like, a really solid team when they was – and when they started, they were, the team was essentially nothing, right? Like, right after Hurricane Katrina, and then they yeah. build this team back, and within, like, three years, they, are, they pretty much shift, like, in the Super Bowl and then have a Super yeah. Bowl win. Like, it really shows that you do need a good GM and a head coach that get along well actually completely turn around a I franchise mean, what mickey loomis does every year and, and having to manage that cap like if there is some award who goes to this the genius that it takes to to get everything under the cap every single year you think the saints won't have a dollar to pay the the guy to you know for a piece of candy because like there's so, there's so cap crap. like every single dollar is already being spent but the way nfl contracts are being set up i mean yeah, the number on the on the on the you know sticker could be five hundred million, you know, fifty mil a year. But if you literally look look into it, right? Like what Von Miller got? I think he got like six years, seventy something million, right? It's a seventeen million dollar year contract for the first three years, and the rest of it just kind of levels out. So the I NFL thought that contract. I thought that contract was crazy. By the way, I, I also was, think I thought that contract was was ridiculous for Von Miller. I mean, do you think Von Miller is the same Von Miller who got drafted ten years ago? No. Uh, in- yeah, I think that, I, I think, think it's the age. You really consider I the think, age too. I think in the in the NFL, the lifespan of greatness is a lot shorter than yeah, than, than okay. you would think. Yeah, the NBA. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, relative to the NBA or relative to any other sport, I just think in the NFL, it's so it's so much shorter than like I mean, if you're of not greatness. A yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you're not a quarterback. <laughs> quarterbacks. Quarterbacks get protected. Quarterbacks get this. Quarterbacks think, are special. What but, do you think Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson? Are they still going to be running around in five years? Easily. Five, ten those, years? Two will, those two will. But but someone like Justin Jefferson, I I just I think Justin Jefferson is so good. I I mean I, I rave about I rave about him to you guys all the time. These, but like but like do you do you think in ten years he'll be a top dog? I don't think so. I think he'll I, I think he'll span five, six, seven years, and then. And then kind of become an AJ Green type of yeah exactly situation kind of like, a, like AJ Green in his prime was amazing but that was what four year prime a five year prime maybe yeah it was like from like the air like it's it about was like twenty twelve to like twenty sixteen right? that that felt like AJ Green years what was the what yeah. was the Colin Kaepernick draft was that twenty thirteen or no that was twenty fourteen I think Colin Kaepernick Andy Dalton came in together that year or no no sorry AJ Green came way before. AJ Green, no, AJ Green and Andy Dalton came in the same draft. Yeah, oh, yeah. Together. That, they were, that was like, yeah, 20, was that 2011? Yeah. yeah. I think 2011, yeah. Oh, that was 2011. Yeah. So, yeah, Marvin Lewis was still the guy there. <laughs> so, I mean, if you think about it, why do you think rookie receivers are so dominant their first season, first two years in the NFL? I mean, what, not, not some, not all. I think you, have, you still have like the Eagles. They always raw. find a way to not get the good receivers. I mean, you think, I, think, I think it depends if you're raw or not. I mean, honestly, I think I think Justin Jefferson is ridiculously raw. I think Jamar Chase is, is a dog. I think Devontae Smith is a dog. But I mean, like we have like the Jalen Reagans of the world. We have the JJ Arciaga White sides. Yeah, there's definitely misses. So I I don't think it's relative to that. I, I mean, think the I think the one person that has the most success in their rookie year is definitely rookie running backs. If they're put into the right situation with the right with the right offense, they have consistently had the most success. Yeah, especially I, if that O-line can run block, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't think that running backs are a dime a dozen anymore. Like, anyone can run. Oh, yeah. There's no yeah. running back. 
I thought not, I thought Najee Harris going last year in the first round was a pretty crazy take. I thought I thought that was. I mean, obviously he had a great year and everything. He had a great year, but he's not going to outlive his rookie contract. They're not going to pay him after four, what is it? Four years? You think pay him? Yeah, running backs are like are like the most. It feels like they're the most disposable and position, if right? It, if you think about it, Todd Gurley, was the reason you don't pay running backs. Look what happened to him. The the, the Rams rewarded him for rookie of the year and seasons for two years, and then he just shit the bed after that. It's, it's sad. It really is. Like like these guys put so much effort in. These guys put their bodies on the line, and then in the end, they're not going to get these max deals that receivers or quarterbacks or corners or D linemen get or, or even get. even like their tackles, especially right. Yeah, they're not going to get those massive deals because they're just so replaceable. So, I mean, it's sad to think about it, but the running back position is just so easy to replace. You can draft someone in the fourth round if the physicals line up in this in the, in the system, then they'll work just as good. Right, like you see, um, you're like you're not going to have very many people who have many, very many running backs specifically that have like careers like Frank Gore, who just play until they're like 38 and then they retire. Eventually, they just get they just are so disposable now. Like within like four or five years, right? You they may just be out of a job and out of the NFL completely. Like that's pretty much what happened to Gurley. I mean, it's just it's just going to be like <clears throat> this year. No one ever, you know, everyone carries two to three running backs. Also, just because you need to have, you know, for, for depth purposes, when I mean, you think about like a Dearness Johnson, <clears throat> when Nick Chubb and Todd Gurley or Nick Chubb and Kareem uh, Hunt were out last year, I think it was like a Thursday night game, who do you look towards, you know? They, they take a beating, they, they, they do so much, they pass protect, rumble, you know, they actually do it all. You, you got to give them a break. So just because you carry like two to three of them, um, and I think of Christian McCaffrey, like electric, he's just had such a, you know, bad luck of injuries i don't know what the panthers are going to do with him and in his contract in his future but if you if you stack it together and you ask gms you know what what would they rather you know who would they rather pay what would they rather do i mean you can take your best wide receiver and turn him into running back look at what they did with Debo samuel so it's going to be a it's a new age and football definitely changed from just having big dudes and, and a really solid running back to now getting on space and just having guys rush the passer and just be electric and, and, and move in space. So it's going to be fun to see what they do, especially in this draft. But, you know, even in future drafts, I don't think there's going to be a lot, a lot of people running to, to, to go draft a running back super high. Right. I mean, you also, like, look at it, right, and how disposable they are. You also see, like, how easily they can be replaced. And a classic example is, like, with the whole Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack situation, right? Marlon mm-hmm. Mack is – their starter right he gets hurt then you have jonathan taylor and then afterwards marlon mack never gets his job back <laughs> and now and now if you, if you look at jonathan taylor is seen as like the premier back of the, of the not just the court of the nfl he's right seen as the, he's, the, he's seen as like as good as derrick henry at this he's point he's seen as he's seen exactly he's seen as the guy so i just think like like to, to sum up all of our points here running backs are really disposable they're really replaceable and they're never gonna. I mean, they're never gonna get the money or the respect that they deserve, which is unfortunate. But that's just the case of how football is these days. Also, it just matters who your O line is. Uh, I mean, you could put like a high school five star recruit behind that Colts O line, and they're running crazy. You know, it's just it's just insane to me how how some people can be like how anyone you know can't if you take an NFL type talent and put them at that running back position, especially behind a good O line, a good situation. The one thing which I, I used to think, you know, the Dallas Cowboys used to be like a, a, a like a pillar of consistency at their O line, you know, that's starting to change. 
know, we see at least Lyle Collins got signed and poached by the Bengals. Tyron Smith is getting up there in age and he has his injury history. You know, what are the look for the Cowboys to, to pick a to pick a lineman this year? I mean, that's I mean, they have to. If I were you know, had to say anyone was going to go out and draft an offensive line, even make a trade, if, you know, Cowboys right now, it says that they're picking. Um, let's see, where are they picking in the first round? Did the Cowboys not have a first round pick? They might have traded it, right? Did they trade it? Was it in the Cooper trade? No, but no, they got a fifth from that, right? No, they have a first round pick somewhere. Wait, no, they were a wild card team, so wouldn't it be somewhere in the twenties? They have to. Oh yeah, uh, wait. Oh yeah, they, they lost to the Niners. They have a twenty fourth pick. Yeah, so I mean, I can potentially see a, a scenario in which, like, maybe Trevor Penning is available. Um, you know, maybe the center from Iowa, Linderbaum, Tyler Linderbaum is available. So if I was to say, you know, someone gonna make a trade, someone gonna go get their guy, it's gotta be the Cowboys. You know, look at Zeke Elliott. Like, you know, we all thought Zeke was, you know, the model of consistency his first years in the NFL. In 2020, he hit him like a train. So, we're, I mean, I'm still waiting for Zeke to return. I'm still waiting for C-Mac, for Saquon Barkley. But will we ever see these guys come back to their full form? Yeah, I mean, or, or is those days over? You know, or is it now, the, is it the John Taylor takeover? But, and, and why is Derrick Henry kind of the outlier? So, lot to consider, you know, at least when you're thinking about drafting running backs. But, you know, it's just going to be the same thing. Versatility, pass-catching ability, run-blocking ability is going to be so much more important than just pure, you know, um, what can they do really one thing well? you got to be able to do a lot of things well. And and at least they they run offense in today's NFL. All right. I think that's a good point for us to wrap it up on. Uh, You guys have anything else you want to add? Oh, I think uh, we appreciate oh, I think that covered all the main points. Yeah, I say appreciate everyone. If anyone's even listening to, at this end point, but that'd be, uh, that'd be dope. So, yeah, this is fun. We should do this more. All right, definitely. All right, thank you for tuning in. Uh, next time. Next time. Whatever that is. Peace. Bye.